the kingdom of God is as multifaceted and mysterious as our creator. A kingdom we only see now through a glass darkly. Though we can't picture it fully, God's kingdom is the story told in scripture, from the garden to the city. And in the middle of the story, God chose to reveal his kingdom in a new way. The gospel is not only Jesus coming and dying to save us from our sins, it's also the story of God establishing his dwelling, dominion, and dynasty in the world. We live as both citizens and strangers, prisoners of hope in this shadow kingdom, all while knowing it's not our true home, that something better is coming, that God's perfect kingdom is coming. Matthew chapter 6. What is this? Week, week 7? Week 7 of Citizens and Strangers. We're, yeah, we are, we are running this one. Okay, cool. All right. Matthew chapter 6. Yes, everyone there? When you're there, say I'm there. Sweet. I hope you guys sign up for groups, man. Your groups are going to be awesome. Some of you qualify for like three groups, so read through them because um, you never know. So check them out. Uh, there's like a family group. If you're like, you know what? I don't know if my dad will ever come to church, but he might go to a group. Dude, sign up for family group. That'd be really cool. Um, that would be awesome. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be picking it up in verse 19. Um, before we start, but so you can put your fingers there, we're not going to be flipping all over the place tonight. We're staying right here in Matthew, working our way through this sermon. Um, but life can be stressful sometimes, yes? How many of you are stressed a little bit right now? Just a little bit. How many of you have ever been stressed more than a little bit? Okay. Yeah, life can be stressful. When you take everything into consideration, it can be really crazy, right? You start thinking about things like grades. How many of you have ever been stressed about grades? Okay. Um, goals. Any of you stressed about goals? Like, why did I set those? I'm never going to reach them. Um, yeah. People. People ever stress you out? Yes. Um, not this row. These two girls, they're like stress-free row right here. Give it up. Give it up. <laughs> um, money. Any of you stressed about money yet? Some of you are like, nah, middle school, like lunch money. Um, <laughs> how about time? Does time stress you out? Like, why does it keep going and never coming back? It's so crazy. How many of you like time change? Has that been good? I'm a big, I'm a big fan. You didn't think it was cool coming to church and it was still a little light outside? I thought it was so cool. Okay. Um, anxiety. How many of you just hearing the word anxiety makes you anxious? Okay, like half the room. Good. Tonight's for you. Anxiety. I have a definition for anxiety I, I grabbed off the interweb, the only safe place to learn nowadays, the interweb. And um, I'm going to put it on the screen, but you can write it in. It's on your notes as well, I think. I don't know. I have them in front of me. But anxiety, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Yes? That accurate? Good. Um, Typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. You with me? How many of you have ever felt anxious? Yes, especially with that definition. I've been there too. 
Um, I've felt anxious. I've had anxiety. How many of you don't believe me? Okay. Um, I've been there. And let me try to relate this with a few stories from long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. And from even things this, this morning that happened that have made me anxious. And uh, my sophomore year, right? My sophomore year, I was um, enjoying school way too much and not studying or doing homework enough. Anyone ever been there? Like, school is so fun. I don't know why anyone hates school. There's just 2,000 of my closest friends. Um, I was enjoying it, and baseball at the time meant everything to me, and I was fighting to earn a spot on varsity, right? I was fighting to earn a spot on varsity as a sophomore, and my grades were slipping fast, very fast. And I was stressed. I couldn't miss practice. Here, here's why I was stressed. Some of you are like, that's ridiculous. You should be stressed about baseball. Um, here's why it was stressful. I couldn't miss practice because then I would lose my spot. Right? I, I didn't necessarily even deserve the spot. I was really trying to fight just to make the team. Uh, I would lose my spot. And I couldn't catch up on my grades because I was at practice. And you're like, time, time, yes. And I still had to keep up with all my friends, of course. Can't lose your friends. And, uh, and, and then all this what if came in. No grades equals no baseball. No grades equals no fun. No grades equals no freedom because my parents would have been crazy upset. So I was stressed, like super stressed. And, and, and I, was, I was fighting hard to make grades. I was trying to make it happen, and grades came out, and I didn't have them. And I had to sit out the first half of my sophomore season as a JV bench player. <sighs> Same. <laughs> She's like, been there. You didn't make grades? You didn't make grades? Aren't you top of your class or something? Or right, right, out close? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no grades, and I had to sit. It was terrible. I hated it. Um, that's one story. Any of you ever had great issues like that? The stress just piling up? Okay. Um, let me give you another story. Uh, when I was sick, um, after I got the, the kidney, my mom gave me her kidney to help me get better. It's kind of a long story, but um, as I had that kidney, I, I got the kidney transplant at Loma Linda University, and so I would have to drive over there, and my appointment was at 4 a.m., 4 a.m., Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, I had to be at Loma Linda by 4 a.m. And so my dad was driving me because I was super sick in the morning and we'd be pulling over to throw up. But, but that whole drive to Loma Linda at like 3 a.m. was full of anxiety. It was full of anxiety because I was going to have tests done. They were gonna test my blood and they were gonna tell me how things were going and things were not going good. And so every time I was driving over there, I, no joke, as a grown man with a kid already, um, I, would, I would literally cry because I knew they were going to tell me bad news. I knew they were going to say, hey, you need to go to the hospital. You're going to be there for a week. We have to do some things. I knew that bad news, it's like the doctors always gave me bad news. They never gave me good news. It was always bad news, and it seemed to be getting worse. And so I'd end up in the hospital again, and then, you know, I wouldn't be able to see uh, my family. I'd be in a hospital bed. I hated it. And then there was always this anxiety of eventually I'm going to go in and they're going to tell me that the, the kidney's no longer good and I could even die. Like, this was the anxiety that was rushing over me literally at 3 a.m. on a 30-minute drive to Loma Linda, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I hated it. Stressful, okay? Stressful. Uh, but stress doesn't go away with age. How many of you already knew that? It doesn't go away with age. And sometimes it even gets worse. It even gets worse, and you think like, oh, I can't wait till I have a job, then I don't have to worry about money. 
No, 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 when you get a job, you start to worry about money, right? Well, I can't wait till, till I, I move out of the house, then I won't be so stressed out by the people in my house. And you're like, no, 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 no. The people in your house will still stress you out, even the ones you chose to live with. They're still gonna stress you out. And, and so, literally this morning, um, this morning, I, I was filled with anxiety, which is kind of crazy. But when Micah, my son, was three, he started having a weird pain in his knee. I don't talk about this a lot because... Frankly, I don't really want Micah to hear about it. Um, but he started having a weird pain in his knee, and, and we thought it was growing pains at first. And um, we, we were like, oh, he's just growing. His knees hurt because he's growing. He's growing quick. He's a big kid. He runs around a lot. So he's just having growing pains. But the more we talked to the doctors, the more the doctors were concerned, and the doctors actually had him come in to get some scans done because they were worried it was a tumor. And so when you're a parent of a three-year-old, that's like terrible. Like my son might have cancer and he's only three. If anyone doesn't deserve it, it's the three-year-old, right? And so, so we would go, I remember sitting in that center the very first day we went in for scans and we're surrounded by a bunch of other little kids who obviously have cancer. And I remember looking at the families and looking at the stressed out parents, the angry parents, the split parents, the kids who have shaved heads and they look miserable and they're five, six, ten. I remember looking around the room going, this sucks. Like, I don't want to be this. I don't want this for my family, for my kid. And, and he goes in to do the scan, and he really has no idea. He goes in to do the scan, and, and the scans come back showing something not normal. There's something not normal going on in my son's knee, and, and, and it showed us that there's a tumor there. And, and then here's the worst part when it comes to anxiety. There's definitely a tumor there. We have no idea if it's cancer. We have no idea if it's terrible or if it's just something his body's gonna work through. So here's what you need to do as parents. This was the diagnosis they gave us to, for our three-year-old. Keep an eye on it. That's the diagnosis. Keep an eye on it. It's too small for us to go in and do a surgery to try to pluck it out to do tests. It's not really affecting him. So if the pain gets worse, bring him back in. Every year we'll get scans and see if he has cancer. It's like, well, that sucks, right? Can't you just give me some meds or tell me it's cancer and how to fix it? Just chop his leg off. That'd be better, right? Like something. And instead they say, keep an eye on it. So then this morning, this morning, my son still sneaks into to my bed at night. This morning, my son jumps out of my bed. It's a little higher than his bed. And when he hits the ground, he collapses in pain from his knee. And I was like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, dad, my knee hurts. And I'm just like, why? Like normally, like a normal kid, it's like, ah, you slept on it funny, you tripped down the stairs. For me, it's like, God, cancer or death. Like, right? And so I'm freaking out, and it's like, well, where does it hurt exactly? And he's, he's seven. He's like, it hurts right here. <laughs> right there? Can you point to it with your finger? Yeah, it hurts right here. No, it's like, where exactly? And, and like, I'm freaking out, kind of laughing, hoping, like, he said, and he goes, oh, dad, dad it hurts. It hurts like right here. And it's like, well, that's not really the knee. It's not the hip. What do I do with that? I'll just freak out. That'll be my answer. <laughs> I'll just freak out. So we're the, all morning long. It's like, hey, take care of the dragons. Do all your normal stuff. And the whole time he's just like, and I'm like, oh, every limp. I'm just full of anxiety. You know, he's not limping now. I just saw him before church. He's got a haircut. He's looking good. Um, so like, it's probably nothing. And yet every time my son goes, hey, my knee hurts. It's like, <gasps> anxiety. Because there's an something that I don't know that's coming. And I don't know when it'll come and I don't know how bad it'll be and it might be nothing and it might be terrible. And that freaks me out. And some of you get freaked out a lot easier than others, 
right? Like literally just hearing the word anxiety freaks you out. Um, tonight, thank God he gave us his word and his word speaks to anxiety and worry. And what I want you to know is that in the kingdom of God, Jesus is building a worry-free kingdom. He's building a worry-free kingdom. We're talking about this kingdom that God is building, that we get to be a part of. This kingdom is worry-free. And and so you might be like, well, I'm a Christian and I'm still freaking out. You're a pastor and you're freaking out. How is this a worry-free kingdom? He's building it. He's building it. Tonight we're gonna talk about anxiety, we're gonna talk about worry, and we're gonna be hopefully encouraged and challenged from God's word. You with me? Let's pray and get into it. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord. Help it to relieve some of our anxiety, some of our worry. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust you with everything we have. And uh, Lord, give us hope. Give us hope. And, and whether our anxieties are justified because they're real big issues that we're facing and struggles, and whether they're small and we can't even figure out why it makes us anxious, Lord, relieve some of our anxiety tonight, even as we look at your word and we get encouragement from you, our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's read it. I'm going to read the whole section, and then I'll I'll talk on it a little bit. So we're starting in verse 19. It says this. Do not lay, remember this is Jesus' sermon. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Do not be anxious. (laughs) Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, 
and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. We're gonna stop there. That's the whole scripture for tonight. I wanna talk about this worry-free kingdom. We're gonna pull a bunch from here. How many of you, you're like, that's a good sermon. Jesus, man, he just has a way with words. He's like perfectly repetitive, right? Like, you just repeated all the right things, Jesus. You're a very good preacher. Best preacher ever, in fact. And um, and so we're gonna pull some things from this, and I wanna give you some reasons not to worry, or reasons not to be anxious, if you prefer that word. Reasons not to worry. And, and, And reason number one is that God created life so you can trust him with the details of life. God created you, he created all of life, so you can trust him with every little detail in life. God is an artist, and he sees and cares about the details. You don't have to worry if God recognizes little old you. You don't have to worry if God cares about insignificant you, however negative talk you want to put on yourself. God sees you, he knows you, he knows every detail of your life. He created you, he's aware of you, and he's aware of all the minor things that are going on in your life. God knows how worried I was when my son just collapsed jumping out of bed. He knows. He wasn't busy somewhere else with someone else's kid who has bigger problems. He was busy with that kid, and he was busy with my kid, and he was busy with you this morning, and he was busy with kids in Africa and people who are sick in hospitals. He was busy with all of them. He's not confined to one place. He knows every detail, and he can meet every need. So, So you don't have to worry about the details of your life because God created life so you can trust him with the details of it. That's a reason not to worry. Number two, worry, worrying about the future will diminish your efforts today. Worrying about the future will diminish your efforts today. There are things God wants you focused on today, and you will miss those things if you worry about all the tomorrows. There's things God wants you to focus on today, and you'll miss them if you worry about all the tomorrows to come. If you're always worrying about tomorrow, then you're always going to mess up tomorrow. Think about that. It's a little tongue twister. But if I'm worried about tomorrow, then when it comes, I'll miss it because I'll be worried about the next one. So so you you can't worry about the future in so much a way that it'll diminish your effects for today. Now, planning is good. God's word encourages us to be planners, to to, to put out a plan, to have some vision, to set some goals. That's good. But if you can't plan without worry, then you're not planning, you're just worrying. Right? Does that make sense? There's a difference between planning and there's a difference between worrying. They don't work together. They're actually opposed to one another. A worried person can't make a good plan, but a planned person can survive some anxious thoughts. You with me? So, so they don't work together. I'm so worried, I should sit down and make a plan. Probably not a good idea. You're in a really bad place to make a plan, right? They, they, they don't work together, they're opposed to one another because number three, worrying is more harmful than helpful. So when you're worried, that's not necessarily good. Clearly from these many verses we read, it's not encouraged for you to worry about anything. Even food, water, clothing, basic necessities, 
Worrying is harmful, not helpful. We have to know that so that we can start to control our thoughts and our feelings. Worrying doesn't add to life, it only harms your life. You see, this morning when I was worried about Micah, that didn't help the situation. That created more chaos in the situation. That didn't help me think clearly as a dad. That created some, some really, uh, really chaotic thoughts in my mind, some thoughts that didn't let me see clearly. So then I couldn't just encourage my son because I was worried about him. I couldn't just help him with his hurt leg because I was worried about his hurt leg. See, see worrying is, is more harmful than helpful. And so we, we should push aside our worries because God knows, number four, God knows what you need. God knows what you need. It, it said there in that verse, it said that, that what kind of a dad would give, if, if their kid asked for bread, would give him a stone? What, what, what kind of a God is able to take care of the grass in the field? And if you think you're insignificant, think about how many blades of grass there are. And he takes care of those, and those things are useless. I mean, they are useless, and God cares for them. Think of the flowers and their beauty and how God dresses them. Like, God will take care of you. He knows what you need. So talk to God. Talk to God, and, and know that he knows. Some of the most comforting, if I can get here in my prayers, and this is just, I'm, I fight to get here sometimes. This morning, I fought to get here. I'm still worried. It takes an hour or so for us to get ready and get out the door. I'm driving. He's talking to me about Legoland and a, a trip he wants to take and all this stuff, and I'm worried. <laughs> I'm not worried about anything he's talking about. I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about the next scan. I'm worried about all this stupid stuff. And inside, I should have known, he's probably just limping because he's a kid and he fell down the stairs or he wrestled with his dog or whatever. Like, he's a kid. And, and I, I'm worrying instead of actually trusting God. And here is so, it's so important for me to get here in my prayer. Sometimes I'll say, Gabe, don't walk away from this prayer time until you know that God knows. Yeah. Hear, hear that out. When you pray, get to the place where you at least believe in your heart. I know that God knows. Because if I can get there, I'm just telling you, I leave encouraged. Because my heavenly father knows what I need. He already did. I just wasn't on the same page with understanding that. Does that make sense? So know that God knows. But, but today, I don't just want to tell you not to worry. Because how many of you, that worries you? right? It's, it fills me with anxiety when someone tells me to stop being anxious. How do, you, how do you not, how do you go about not worrying? How to not worry? What are some practical things? And, and, and the Bible's so cool here, he gives us some practical things. And, and you might have thought, man, you just read so much scripture, but they're all connected to worry. They're all connected to anxiety. You're going to see that right here, okay? How to not worry. For those of you who struggle with anxiety, like I have struggled, and, and some of you far worse than me. I get it. I'm not trying to put myself on the same level with you. I just want you to know that I've experienced it. I, I get that this is hard for you. This is not an easy thing. This takes work, practice, commitment, and trust. But, but the first thing I want to point out to you is you serve God and not money. You serve God and not money. And, and, and you might think, well, that's about money. And I'm going to tell you, it's not about money. It's about worry. It's, money has nothing to do with money. Money has everything to do with your heart, which is what he tells us here. Everything to do with who you're trusting and where your worry dwells. Some of you can see this in your parents. Money's not about money at all. <laughs> it's just about worry and trust, right? So, so serve God, not money, meaning that if you serve God, then, then you don't have to worry about money because you know that he knows. He takes care of you. He takes care of the flowers. He takes care, he takes care of the, the, the grass. He takes care of the birds, even though they don't even have a home. He takes care of them. He's gonna take care of you. So, so you can just... 
You, you can just serve him and not money, which, and, and then he talks about this, it's kind of weird. Your eye is the lamp to your body. Did you hear that part? See, we need to keep our, our eyes on God. We need to keep our eyes on God, not success, not wealth, not things. We keep our eyes on God. That, that fills us with light because we're focused on him. We're not focused on money. We're not focused on success. We're not focused on wealth. We're not even really focused on goals. We're focused on serving God. Serve God, not money. That is one step to alleviate, alleviate worry. Serve God, not mo- money. Number two, build his kingdom and he will build yours. Build his kingdom and he will build yours. That's so important. So many people are spending their whole life about them. They're trying to worry about their kingdom, their family, their house, their bills, their job, their whatever. Oh, I'm so worried about all the things that I got going on. God's word comes in and goes, listen, focus on his kingdom, his righteousness, his pursuits. Know your value. You're far more valuable than, than the, uh, all of creation, and look how God cares for them. So seek his kingdom, and he will add to yours. He'll build yours. I found this to be so true in my life. When, when I'm focused on my kingdom, it's like my kingdom falls apart. And when I'm focused on God's kingdom, it's like without even looking, my kingdom's growing which is so cool. Like, I'm just gonna focus on serving God. That's gonna alleviate some of the worry of my kingdom. And as I trust him, when I look back, I'm gonna see him working on my behalf because I'm working for his kingdom. Does that make sense? Build his kingdom, not yours. So ask questions like this. How can I expand God's kingdom, not how can I expand mine? How can I expand God's kingdom, not how can I buy a bigger house? How how can I serve other people, not how can I get other people to serve me? How can I do more for God, not how can God do more for me? How how can I help here? How can I help there? How can I be obedient to God and stop complaining that he's not obedient to me? What what do I need to do today just to say yes to God, to be obedient to God's word, and, and stop complaining that God doesn't do what I say when I pray and I ask him? I'm gonna build his kingdom, and I'm gonna trust that he will build mine. You with me on that? Now that takes away so much stress because he's doing the work on my kingdom and I'm just helping the many, many people build his. You with me? Number number three, know that his mercy is new and sufficient for you and them. He he talks in here about judging people. It's it's like even non-Christians, people have never been in church. You talk to them like, Christians aren't supposed to judge people. You're like... You've never read the Bible. You have no idea if that's really in there, right? Like, <laughs> you're right, but it's, yeah, like, how do you know? Point to it. You can't. You can't, probably can't even Google it, right? But everyone knows that verse. <laughs> Judge not or you will be judged. Uh, l- let me tell you this. Y- the way that that works is, is you just have to know that you needed the mercy of God because you're a sinner. And when it comes to judging people for their sin, there's enough mercy for you and them. See, Jesus was judged for you as a Christian, the, 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 he was judged in your place. So you don't have a right to judge and you don't have a need to judge. You don't, you don't need to. Jesus was judged for you and there's enough mercy there for you and them. There, there's not like a, there, it, it's not like trying to buy hand sanitizer right now where all the shelves are empty, right? There's mercy everywhere. And his, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So it might be the craziest sin, a sin you've never heard of. You might be so shocked by the sin. Hey, his mercy's new. Right, like, like he can handle it. There's enough mercy to go around. There's enough for you. you. You should know there's enough for them. In your sin, there's enough mercy for you. 
which is comforting too, right? Because then when you sin and you're like, oh, I'm so, I'm so worried about my sin and I can't get it under control. Listen, there's enough mercy for your sin today just like there was tomorrow, yesterday and there is gonna be enough tomorrow. God can handle it. Number four, how to not worry. Ask, ask, trusting your father to give you what you need most. It, it, it honestly hurts how, how, how much Christians struggle with talking to their heavenly father. Like I think through it and I'm like, oh man, God, they just don't know. They don't know the comfort there. They don't know the gifts that you have for them. God gives good gifts to his kids. Just ask him and trust him. Just ask him and trust him. You wouldn't believe, like some of you might try to have conversations with me and, and I, as much as I try, you just know that I'm like, this is a ridiculous conversation. And, and I, sometimes I'm just not good at controlling my face and you just know that I'm not having a good time and I don't wanna talk. And you ever had a conversation with me about that? And you're like, man, he really doesn't care about my sporting event. Anyone ever been there? Okay, no one, I'm fooling everyone. Okay, um, you wouldn't believe the ridiculous conversations I have with my son. I mean stupid stuff, right? And, we'll, <laughs> and we will just talk and talk and talk and I would just listen and listen and listen. Like, oh, that's so cool, kid. That's so awesome. I want to have that relationship. Just ask your heavenly father. You have an access that you haven't had with anyone in your entire life. You have access to your heavenly father. Ask him and trust that he will give you good gifts. My son, when it, when it comes to his birthday, if you ask, like at Christmas, he'll give you a list. And when it comes to his birthday, he goes, hey, Michael, what do you want for your birthday? And, and he'll say this to me. Dad, give me whatever you want, but it has to be cool. Give me, I, I've shared this with you. Give me whatever you want, but it has to be cool. What if you prayed like that? God, God, do whatever you want. Give me whatever you want, but it's gotta be good. And you know what's crazy? You have a verse to back it up that it will be. Right? God, I, I'm so excited that you have good things for me. Do whatever you want in my life. Give me whatever you want, and I'm just gonna trust you that it'll be good. Let me tell you, it will be good. He's a good father. Number five, maybe the most important of the do not worry list. Focus on others, not yourself. Focus on others, not yourself. Now, this could easily be the point of, so stop comparing yourself to others on Instagram. That, that's valid here. Don't focus on others, or don't focus on yourself. Just focus on them, celebrate their success. Don't go, I wanna go to Europe. Just like it and leave a comment. It's so cool you got to go to Europe, right? Like, you know, don't, don't worry. Just focus on others and the joy that they're having and don't be jealous. Just, just let them have it. But also, when your attention shifts away from your worries and towards other people and loving people, when you see that you're not the only one struggling, your worries begin to melt away. The more focused I can be on others, the less focused I am on my concerns. Does that make sense? And now here's what's so cool. When we talk about community groups, here's what's so cool. When you talk about small groups, when you talk about church, is as part of the church, when we're all doing this together, if I'm worried about you and I'm focused on you, you know that there's a bunch more people focused on me? I guarantee you, people in this church pray for my disease, my marriage, my not my kid, my disease and my marriage more than me. I guarantee it. I have more people lifting my needs up in prayer than I could ever do on my own if you wanted to tally up the prayer time. I, I, got, I got handfuls. 
And you know what? I'm praying for them and their needs, and the person next to me is praying for them and their needs. And in community, in church, when we gather under the banner of Jesus, as I'm concerned about you, you're concerned about me, and we all get there. That's building his kingdom, and then he takes care of yours. You see that? Now, when we start living like this, the worries melt away. The worries melt away. Now, I get there's a lot of points, and my time is up. But I wanted to wrap it up. I wanted to summarize it with one statement, something you could write on your mirror, something that you could, you, you could, you, you could remember, you, could, you can memorize and keep in your head when worries come. To summarize it like this, just trust God and love people. Just trust God and love people. I, I know there's a huge list here, and I think it's a good list. But trust God and love people. When the worries come, when, when Micah limps in that moment, I need to not worry. I just need to trust God and love Micah. I don't need to start worrying about cancer and Googling medical needs. My kid's limping and I think he has a tumor. I need to trust God and love Micah. And when you're going through something and, and you're stressed out, you, you don't need to be anxious and you don't need to worry. And I get that it's easier said than done. But get to the point, using some of these tools that we get here in this sermon, to trust God and love people. If we can do that, if we can do that, the worries will begin to melt away. It, it just happens. And you know what? They melt away not because you're a person of faith and you just can't see them. They melt away because God and others are taking care of them. They're really getting dealt with. You're not just, well, I just won't look at it. No, God's actively working in you, through you, and on your behalf. You with me? Okay, can we stand? I just want to pray for you guys, and then I'll get you to small groups. Young adults are going to be over there as normal. High school will be right here with Anwar and Jerry. Middle school will be with um, Adam in the couch room. Let me just pray for you guys. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the time we've had tonight in your word. Lord, I thank you that you delivered such a powerful sermon that now we can just dissect bits and pieces of it and it still challenges us and encourages us today. Lord, right now I acknowledge that, that talking about it is easier than executing on it, especially when it comes to anxieties. Lord, would you do what you do best? Would you relieve the people here today who have anxieties, who have worries? Would you comfort them? Would you fill them with peace? Lord, ultimately, would you help us to trust you and love others? And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, small groups.